this July 22nd, 2023 MLB betting pick show of the MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is back with their Circuit Survivor and Circle Millions contest. $14 million are up for grabs. Get all the details at circusports.com. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, July the 21st, currently 5.04 on the East Coast. Here to give our lock dog in total for the Saturday games. We'll also uh, talk about some teams that are playing some good baseball coming out of the all-star break. Maybe trying to make a push for a playoff spot or even the division. We'll get into that after we give our picks. But joining me to help me break it all down. You guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, NFL Gambling Podcast, WNBA, NBA, and of course you're on MLB. It's Scott Suyer-Rachel. Scott, how's it going, my man? They're doing pretty well uh, watching the Cubs-Cardinals game. I saw the Cardinals get hosed in the uh, eighth inning there. Pretty ridiculous job by the home plate umpire, but, you know, whatever. It happens, I guess. I just saw the nice jumping catch uh, on Goldschmidt, too. Uh, So Cardinals are one out away from losing. But for the most part, can't complain. I'm looking forward to going through the games for Saturday. Should be fun. Yeah, um... Friday afternoon baseball gets us kind of through the day at least when it's at least when the uh, the Cubs are at home at Wrigley Field. But yeah, kind of going back to your point, I think a lot of people are upset about the call that Ron Culpa had on uh, the ball four, I should say, that would have at least tied the game up for the uh, St. Louis. Well, there were two Cardinals. of those. You had the three zero yeah, count yeah. and the three one yeah, count. Yeah. But. Um. So it should have been at minimum a tie game, and we should maybe be heading. Or at least to the bottom of the ninth. I know you just mentioned the Cardinals are one out away from losing, but a lot of people did have the Cardinals uh, tickets. And again, Cardinals are a team. Maybe we'll talk about later in the uh, back half of the pod that have are playing some good baseball coming out of the All Star break. Um, so, uh, like we do it all here on Fridays, we'll again, like I mentioned, we'll get into our lock, our dog, and our total. And then we'll kick some tires on things happening around the MLB. So, Scott, let's just kick it off, my man. Uh, let's start here with our – let's go with our total first and then work our way to our dog and then our lock. Uh, you want to lead us off with your total? Uh, sure. So, so, for my total on the actual card, I had a couple of choices on what I wanted to actually do. But I think for this one, I am going to look towards the uh, – what exactly do I want to do for the total? I have some options. You know what? I think I'm going to go with the under nine and a half in the Mets and Red Sox game with uh, Scherzer against Paxson. I know that Scherzer has been kind of hit or miss the season, but of course, he's still one of the better pitchers in that rotation. You're looking at Paxson, though, and he's quietly been very good so far this yep. season. Uh, to go mm-hmm. through Paxson's numbers in general, 3.5 ERA, give or take, which is decent, but you're looking at his actual home numbers, 2.05 ERA at home. I know it was pretty bad his last start against the Cubs, which is why this number might be a bit inflated. But overall, he's been solid. And to go through, once again, his starts before that, six innings, two runs, seven and two-thirds, no runs, only went four innings, but one run in the one before that. So for the most part, I think nine and a half is just a little bit too high for a total here. We know the Mets offensively have been very hit or miss so far this season, usually miss, which is why this team's below 500 and why they've been one of the most underachieving teams in the league. But I do think that nine and a half for a full game total here Feels a little bit high to me with Scherzer, of course, who has a ceiling of pitching very well at any time. But I'm going to go with the under nine and a half. I thought that number was a little bit too high. Maybe it'll end in the bulk. Of course, maybe the bullpens can blow up, and that's always a possibility. But I will go with the under nine and a half in that game. 
Yeah, and also going to your point about the Mets that they struggle against left-handed pitching. Um, thus far, I think I could go back to let's see. This is the last month uh, for the New York Mets team batting average against left-handed pitching, a dollar eighty-seven. That ranks number twenty-nine out of thirty teams on base percentage. They are number twenty-four slugging percentage against left-handed pitching. The New York Mets are number twenty-six OPS against left-handed pitching in the last thirty days. Mets number twenty-six. WRC plus they are number 25. So uh, bottom fourth uh, in the league in all of those offensive statistical categories against left-handed pitching. And like you mentioned, yeah, Paxton's coming off with a bad start uh, against the Cubbies, but he's been solid at Fenway Park for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, him and I think Brian Bello have been the two, I think, bright spots for that pitching rotation uh, for the Boston Red Sox. And like you mentioned, at home, four starts this uh, season, 22 innings pitch, five earned runs. He's only given up in that span at Fenway Park, so definitely can get behind that. And you mentioned Scherzer. Yeah, you're right that he's been up and down, but I think that he can you know, come out and, and pitch well here uh, against the Bots and Red Sox. So this number does feel a tad bit high uh, in this game between the Mets and the Red Sox. Um, all right, for my uh, total pick of the Saturday games, uh, I'm going to go with the race team total over. This probably comes out at four and a half, uh, maybe some big towards the over. But it's pretty much just me fading, uh, fading uh, Grayson uh, Rodriguez of the Baltimore Orioles. You kind of take a look at what he's done uh, recently. At least over his last five games, he hasn't been in the greatest form. Last five games, he's one and two with a 9.67 ERA. He's and he got demoted in the middle of that. Yeah, and um, he's allowed 24 earned runs. In 22 and one-thirds innings pitched um, over those last five games. He's also struggled on the road thus far this year in five starts. He is 1-0, but has, again, has a 5.32 ERA, 14 earned runs in 23 and two-thirds innings pitched on the road. And you kind of take a look over the last five games as well. He's allowed uh, four earned runs, nine earned runs, sorry, four earned runs, eight earned runs, two earned runs, eight earned runs, and two earned runs uh, in that span. He did have a decent start against the Rays at home in Camden Yards back on May 9th. But this is a completely different team. Uh, like you mentioned, that Grayson uh, Rodriguez did get demoted just because he was pitching, uh, wasn't pitching very well, I guess we can say. But I think that's going to continue against the Rays. And again, this is a series that everybody's watching, especially because these two teams are battling for the AL East position. As it stands right now, Scott, the Orioles are leading that division uh, by one game. But I think this is an opportunity for the Rays to get Excuse me, too, Grayson Rodriguez here. So I think this number should come out at four and a half. So I'm going to take the over for the Rays team total there. Yeah, I think the only concern would be the recent form of the Rays and how they've just been struggling in every single area at this point. But Rodriguez has been pretty underwhelming. I've been fading him for a while. Uh, you tend to see it with top pitching prospects. It's not the end of the world, but you tend to see some of them make the, make, uh, the initial uh, leap to the MLB with, I'd say, relative ease. And it does seem like Rodriguez is struggling. Right now, he does seem like a 4A type guy. Still very early. I'm sure he's going to turn it around. We saw Hunter Green last year, for example, who was pretty underwhelming for the most part, and then he kind of caught on late. But I think Rodriguez will be fine long-term. Short-term, though, it does not look like he's fully ready for MLB competition. So fading it makes sense. But the only concern I would have would be Tampa's recent form. Yep. All right. Before we continue here, let me tell everyone about the two best contests happening for the NFL uh, season. That's going to be over at Circus Sports. The Circa Millions and the Circus Survivor Contest are back. $14 million 
in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs for this year's contest. Circa Millions, you pick five NFL picks against the spread each week. Each one you get correct, you get a point. For every push, you get half a point. And do your best to accumulate as many points as you can throughout the season and getting into the money. And also the Circa Survivor, a typical Survivor contest, just pick a different money line winner each week. Again, the only caveat is, is that you can't pick the same money line for the rest of the season, or same team, I should say, for the rest of the season in that Circus Survivor contest. Uh, you could enter exclusively in Vegas at Circus Sports, but you can also play from anywhere. Sports Gambling Podcast, Sean and Ryan will be out there the last weekend in August. Again, you can get all the details over at CircusSports.com. Again, that's CircusSports.com. All right, Scott, let's get into our uh, – let's go to our dog picks for the uh, Saturday games. What do you got? All right, uh, so for the dog picks, I have a couple of options. The question is which one do I actually have a lot of confidence in because I thought about taking Arizona at a small plus price but decided not to be fully interested in that. But actually, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong day. Uh, let me just quickly see what Arizona was. I don't even see lines in Arizona. All right, uh, so I have a couple options. But I think I'm just going to go with my instincts here. I'm going to go with something that seems extremely dumb at first glance, but I got to just fade the team based on the recent form. I'm going to take the Royals in this one. Uh, I'm going to take him at like plus 188, plus 190. I know it's Garrett Cole against Brady Singer, so the stats are going to support Cole. I'm not going to pretend they're not going to. The Yankees are just a bad baseball team, just simply put. I'm not saying Kansas City is good. But I'm not laying 200 with the Yankees. Like that's just not going to happen. Cole's been fine. He does occasionally give up the long ball. Spring, uh, you've had seen Singer have hit or miss moments, but the Yankees can't hit. We saw them get shut down against the Angels. They could barely score against the Rockies, with the exception of Seabold. This offense is a mess. Cole's fine, but the bullpen hasn't been great either. And even Cole, when he's been good, he has given up a couple of runs. It's not like these are clear, you know, uh, errorless starts here. I'm going to take a swing with the big underdog. It worked out for me when I took Colorado last Friday uh, when I faded Rodon. Of course, different fading Cole compared to Rodon, but I really don't want to lay 200 with the Yankees or 225 in this case on FanDuel. Yeah, give me the Royals money line at plus 188, plus 190. Once again, sounds dangerous. It is because it's a big underdog, but I'm not laying 225 with the Yankees based on current form. That's just not going to happen. Give me Kansas City. Yeah, I was considering taking the uh, sorry the Yankees on the run line, but like the exact same concern that I had with uh, the Yankees as you just presented is that the bats have been absolutely cold, and it's just crazy how much one player makes a difference in this lineup without Aaron Judge. But outside of that, I mean, uh, you look at Stan's numbers; he's below two hundred. Um, there just hasn't been a lot of success in this lineup over the past week and even going back prior to the all-star break for this Yankees team. I mean, the pitching, there's some great names. Garrett Cole's having a Cy Young caliber year. He's a Cy Young favorite right now. I think, I think he's at plus 200 now as a uh, AL Cy Young favorite. Um, but if you're not going to get any run support, you're not going to win very many games. So we are prone to seeing Garrett Cole sometimes give up the long ball. And I think that could probably just be the difference here than a, I think in a low scoring game, maybe the Rose pulled this one out three to two or, or something in that neighborhood. So, until I see this Yankees offense turn around, if they do for this rest of the season, um, there's definitely some value here on the New York Yankees. I know, uh, I think you, yeah, you talked about Carlos Rodon last week. I believe it was, was it against the Angels where he was like a minus 170 favorite, and the Angels were able to come out and, and uh, um, put up some runs against him, and they eventually got the victory there. So That's when he blew the kiss to the crowd, I think. Yeah, but. yeah. 
Um, I, I know. So, I, once again, I know singers' numbers are really bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make a case to tell you that Singer is actually a really good pitcher and his numbers are misleading. No, he, he's not very good. But it's mostly just based on the number. I want nothing to do with the Yankees in current form. I know Trevino is officially out for the year now, so they're going to be mm-hmm. using Higashioka, who yep. I believe was Cole's regular catcher anyway. So that really yeah. doesn't matter for the sake of this game. Donaldson's mm-hmm. also out for basically the year which you can argue is a good thing for the Yankees because Donaldson was terrible. But I just, once again, think if you want to talk about fading a team in bad form where you can kind of toss out some numbers here and there with with pitchers and just look at the current form of these teams, I want nothing to do with the Yankees at this price. So it's mostly just a value play for me. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, All right, for my uh, underdog uh, pick uh, of the Saturday games, I'm going to go over to that AL Central matchup between the Chicago White Sox and the uh, Minnesota Twins. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Chicago White Sox here with Dylan Cease on the mound. Um in the first 5 innings. Let me start with that. So first 5 inning money line for the uh, Chicago White Sox here. So for the game the Ariel plus 125 uh uh underdog for the full game, but I think we're seeing Sonny Gray on the mound here for the Minnesota Twins, and we're all expecting and waiting for that regression to happen with Sonny Gray of, of how well he started uh, this season pitching for the Minnesota Twins rotation. But that regression is here right now, um, and it's in full effect. So over his last five games, let me start with that. Sonny Gray 0-3 with a 4.97 ERA. He's allowed 14 earned runs and just 25 and one-third innings pitch in that span over those last five games. And he did have a good start against the Chicago White Sox earlier this season where he threw five shutout innings and he's been at good at home this season. But I think there's a spot where the White Sox and Dylan Cease can uh, at least get the lead in the first five innings with Dylan Cease on the mound. Now, walks are also a concern for Gray over his last five games. He's issued at least two walks, um, and then for the last five games, he's issued at least three walks. Sorry, he's issued two walks, and for the last five games, and then three straight starts, he's allowed at least uh, three walks to the opposition. Cease, uh, he's been incredible against the Minnesota Twins uh, since the 2021 season. The White Sox are 6-2 and two in eight starts. Um, or since 2021, when Cease is facing the Twins, they're averaging 7.88 runs in those eight games as well. There's been three games uh, where they've scored double-digit runs against the Minnesota Twins in that span. Cease has he's been a little up and down uh, over this last five starts, but he's coming off of uh, probably his best outing and limiting the best offense in the entire MLB in the Atlanta Braves, uh, where he only allowed one earned run in a five innings pitch to the Atlanta Braves. So I think if Cease is able to, you know, locate his, uh, his off speed stuff and really command his pitches and not give up those walks, he's another pitcher that does give up a lot of walks. I can see the White Sox uh, getting to Sonny Gray here, at least early in this game and having the lead, at least, uh, at least after the first five innings, because don't want anything to do with that bullpen. Uh, so I'm going to take the Chicago White Sox, First five innings money line with Dylan Cease on the mound against uh, Sonny Gray here, Scott. Yeah, I'm a fan of that play. You mentioned that people were waiting for the Sonny Gray regression. I might have been a bit early to the regression bandwagon, but it worked out for me anyway. I remember I took a Red Sox team total over against Gray, and I think Gray did not pitch well, but I ended up cashing against the bullpen anyway. I think that was a month or two ago. But he's been 
fine. Uh, Sonny Gray was just really, really good for the first two months. And since then, he's been his usual self. He lost a bit of his control where he wasn't really walking anybody. But the main thing that he succeeded, succeeded in the season is not allowing home runs, which has still been the case. But the White Sox bullpen's a mess. Cease has been good, though. You mentioned his numbers against Minnesota. I like that play in general. I think Cease is the better starting pitcher. And if you're going to be getting a good starting pitcher, fading a pitcher who's been a bit hit or miss lately, we saw Gray kind of blow up in the fifth inning against the Mariners last start. I don't mind that either. I think that that's a pretty solid play. All right. Uh, before we get into our lock picks for the Saturday games, uh, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is officially here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. There's so many ways to win over at Underdog Fantasy, and Underdog is available in so many different states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and make sure to use our promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com using promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, let's get into our lock picks for the Saturday games. Uh, why don't you lead us off here? What do you got? Yeah, so for my lock, I'm going to go to a first five play between the Giants and the Nationals. I'm going to go with the Giants' first five run line. I don't see a number available because it is a little bit early, but the full game run line is roughly minus 110. So I'm assuming first five will be minus 120, if I had to guess, give or take. But mm-hmm. Logan Webb, simply put, has just been really good. Uh, no, no other way around it. I know that he didn't exactly get the run support against the Reds last start, but he still pitched very well. Meanwhile, you're looking at Gray, and I know that we like him a lot on the show. I feel like all the hosts do, but you're yeah. looking at his recent performances, and he has not been as good as he was earlier this year. To go through his numbers, last two starts, not including the All-Star game, uh, last two starts, 10 total innings, 18 hits allowed, Nine runs, seven of them earned. So he has not exactly been good recently. Giants are in pretty good form. I know that they struggled a bit at the end of that Red series, but the Reds also were going to potentially wake up from their offensive slump that they had. But you're looking at Webb and how well the Giants performed with Webb on the mound. They win basically every one of his starts when Webb pitches. I want to pull up the exact numbers, but they win all the time when he pitches. I think they've won seven of his last eight, but I want to pull that up for confirmation. But the point is, Gray has not exactly been in great form lately. You're looking at Webb, though. Last three starts, he's allowed less than three earned. Last two starts, 16 innings, two runs. He's been really, really good. And to go through the Giants' uh, results here quickly, uh, the Giants have officially won six of his last eight starts. So they've been very good when Webb's on the mound. We know the Nationals aren't a very good team. Giants are right now fighting in the playoff picture. Give me the Giants' first five run line backing Webb against Gray. Yeah, can argue against it. Uh, Logan Webb is having a really good season again for this uh, San Francisco Giants team. And over the last couple of seasons, he's been a pitcher that um, I've personally backed when he's pitching at home in San Francisco in the Bay Area. But he's done pretty well on the road so far this season as well. And you mentioned that again, another regression candidate here in Josiah Gray um, just hasn't been doing very well. And again, Logan Webb did face the Nationals earlier this season uh, back uh don't have the exact date in front of me, but he gave, yes. up one more, he gave up one run, right? Yeah, he only gave up one run off of nine. It's had seven strikeouts in that game uh, as well. And over his last five starts, he's had 38 strikeouts uh, total, uh, double digit strikeouts in two out of the last three starts for Logan Webb as well. So, um, yeah, he's in great form right now. The Giants, again, are a team that are competing in that NL West division. 
Not only that, obviously for a, a wild card spot as well uh, in the National League. So when you play some of the a weaker opponents in the in your in your league, like the Washington Nationals, this is an opportunity for them with their best pitcher on the mound by far uh, to rack up another win here, at least in the first five innings. So yeah, not going to argue against that. Um, all right, for my lock, I'm going to go back to what failed me last week, but I'm going to go with it again. Give me the Astros a minus one and a half on the run line against the Oakland A's. Um, I see that it will be Christian Javier and Paul Paul Black, is it Blackburn tomorrow. Yeah, for the Oakland A's. Um, I'll keep this simple. Paul Blackburn against the Astros in his career has a record of 0-4, with a 11.25 ERA. He faced him two times last season, 10 and two-thirds innings pitch. He allowed 10 earned runs in those two um, starts. Four home runs he allowed um, to the Astros. Overall, he allowed 12 hits. So 33% uh, of those hits were home runs by the Houston Astros. Now, Christian Javier, he's been really good this season thus far for the uh, Houston Astros. I know the ERA is a little bit high at 4.39, and he's coming off of a couple of rough starts here, but I think this is a spot here for him to bounce back, but he did face some pretty good offenses in his last couple of starts. He faced the Rangers, gave up eight and runs to them, and he gave up six against the St. Louis Cardinals. But um, – He's done pretty well on the road. He does have a 3-0 record, but that ERA now is inflated because of the two their last three starts are all been on the road. So uh, let's see here. 17 of the 33 earned runs that he's allowed on the road this season have come in his last three starts. But this is the Oakland A's. Um, it's more of a fate of Paul Blackburn here for me. Uh, the Astros last season in those two games won 5-1, to one, and then the last game in July they won 8-3. to three. So... Uh, I have the better pitcher. I know he's not in greater form right now. Uh, he is definitely the better pitcher in Christian Javier, strikeout pitcher. Definitely have the better offense here. Even if Christian Javier does give up some runs, I think the Astros' uh, offense will bounce and give him that run support here. So Astros minus 1.5, minus 130 is what I'm seeing right now over on DraftKings for the Astros to cover the run line against the Oakland A's here, Scott. Yeah, I feel like it's another thing about recent form. A's have been decent recently. I know they beat the Red Sox a couple of times in the last few days. Yeah. I really thought Houston would be a lot better against Colorado after they had that mm. insane offensive series against the Angels, and then they went to Coors. I thought they were going to kill uh, the Rockies in Coors. I was just dead wrong about that. I know they won the second game because uh, Bielik was very good, but offensively, I thought they'd do a little bit better. So I think they should be able to kill Blackburn because they have uh, pretty much his entire career. But I do think when you're looking at Javier, there's a bit of concern there. I, th- I think I would personally feel better about a team total I really yeah. don't like Javier's form, and I feel like that's what's going to scare me off from fully tailing that. I like it in general, but I think I'd rather take a Houston team total and completely just ignore Javier from the equation. Yeah, I can't argue against that either. Maybe if you get a first, I think that number would probably be f- probably two and a half with a heavy vid- either heavily or, juiced two and a half, or three and a half, or, or out, and a half. Yeah, 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 agreed. Uh, all right, so that is going to be our log dog in total for the Saturday game. So we'll recap them before we end this episode. Uh, but kind of kind of kicking some tires here, uh, Scott. Coming out of the All Star break, there are a few teams that have been playing great baseball, uh, trying to make a push either for the division or a playoff spot um, in the wild card in their respective leagues. I think we can start here in the AL East because that, that's one of the better matchups that everybody's been looking at, and that's between the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. And Orioles have won uh, the first game of the series between these two squads. The Tampa Bay Rays not in good form right now. They've lost five games in a row. 
Uh, that has propelled the Baltimore Orioles to take a one-game lead uh, over the Tampa Bay Rays in that AL East division. But, uh, you know, we talked about the Rays uh, as I took them on my total for the team total over. They're, they're not in good form right now, but maybe that Grayson Rodriguez can be the cure for them, at least on the Saturday schedule. But uh, it seems like this is going to turn into a two-horse race here, Scott. Uh, do you think the Birdland gets it done here to win the AL East division? Or do you think this probably come down to the final week of the regular season? I think the answer is going to be yes for both. I don't think Baltimore is suddenly going to run away with this and win this division by six games. I think it's going to be close throughout. It's going to come down to September, and I'm sure it's going to come down to the last three head-to-head games that they have against each other, which is going to definitely sway some things. But I know we talked about this division race a month or two ago, and we thought there was value in Baltimore. Now, yeah. I don't know how realistic it was for them to actually win. I think Baltimore at that point was like 10 to 1, maybe, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit higher than that. But we thought that the actual talent was there for the team. We thought that they checked a lot of boxes for a playoff team. And we thought that they could be buyers of deadline. And we know that Tampa's been relatively cheap in years past. And they tried to get the veteran bat that really doesn't contribute much. And they don't really do anything else to address concerns. Baltimore still has a very deep prospect pool, so I can't see a world where they maybe cash in a couple of the prospects and turn it into an actual uh, win-now option. But you're looking at the current form of these teams. If you if you throw April out, mm-hmm. Tampa's below 500. Yeah, I feel like people haven't talked about that enough. I believe Tampa's one game under if you toss out April, and they had the easiest schedule in the league in April. So I thought that the initial success Tampa had was relatively fraudulent. They're still a good team. They're not playing like it right now. They're still an above-average team, obviously. But I did think that Tampa was overvalued, and I remember watching them get shut down by Zach Davies like a a month or two ago. Personal bias involved because I had money on it. I know Tampa won that game anyway. But I just looked at the lineup, and I just thought that it wasn't overly impressive. And I just thought that eventually, if a Rosarena or Franco or any of these guys slowed down, I didn't think they had enough to fully overcome it. And Rosarena has been terrible for the past month, and they can't overcome it. So I do think that you're looking at Tampa and the issue they have. They don't really have enough quality elite bats in that lineup, and Baltimore does. So even though Baltimore's rotation isn't pitching that well or when they are, the offense can back them up or even bail them out. Tampa really can only win one way. I know that it sounds crazy because they're in the top five in runs per game, but they've been relying on a lot of overachieving pitchers. I don't think yeah. anybody expected Zach Eflin to be this good for the for this portion of the season. And you're looking at Glass now has been solid, but he missed a decent portion of the year. You're looking at Tampa, though. I wonder how much of their success is smoke and mirrors. And I mentioned it earlier this week or last week. I think Baltimore, when you look at the overall talent on paper, it's very, very close. But I do think that if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Baltimore because Baltimore does have the ability to win in a variety of ways. I don't think Tampa has that, and I do expect Baltimore to be pretty aggressive at the deadline, which might sway some things. So I'm actually going to go with Baltimore. Yeah, I think I like Baltimore here as well. I know we talked about it that I at least had some pitching concerns um, for this team, but I think we got to go back to the beginning of the season, Scott, especially for this race team where they had a, a cupcake schedule where they got out to, what, a 10-0, 11-0 record. Um, but since then, they're what? 15? I think it was more than that. Weren't they like 13 and 0 or something crazy? Yeah. So let's just say they, they were like 13 or 14 and 0 at that Who point. Who did they beat so again? They beat the Nationals. They beat it was the, the Nationals the, and the Tigers, was it? 
I think the Tigers, I know they beat the Red Sox in there too, which aged yeah. pretty well, but the others were bottom feeders in the league. Here, let me pull it up. I have their schedule right here in front of me. So. I think they started at like 13 and 0, and everyone's like, oh, this is the, one of the greatest teams ever assembled. And I'm like, no, they just played Oakland in April. Yeah, so they started, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, yeah, 13. Okay. 13 and 0. So they played, uh, the. they started the season against the Tigers at home. Then they went to Washington and that Oakland, uh, they at home and they had the Red Sox for four games at home. So they started yeah. 13 and 0. The Red Since Sox that, series was fine, but the first three, I mean, in hindsight, yeah. come on. Yeah. So since that point, they're about, what, 47 and 40 then? Uh, since that point and over their last 10 games, at least, um, if you told us April out there, one under, yeah. So let's go at least last 30 games, 12 and 18 are the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, in that span in Baltimore over the last 30 games are 17 and 13 last 10 games, uh, eight and two are the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay Rays. I'm sorry, are three and seven. So, um, yeah, again, it, it kind of comes to a point of the, especially in a baseball season that, you know, teams go on losing streaks. Some teams go on winning streaks. And, again, the standings can change from week to week. But right now, at least in, what, three, let's see, at least all, all the divisions in the American League are going to – it's going to be a race for, for that one and two spot. Uh, and then the Central and the West Division in the National League are, is going to be a race as well. I think the East is pretty much locked up on the same thing drastic happens to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I think another team that Scott that was playing today that came out out of the fire out of the gate, unfortunately lost today because of an two horrid calls was the St. Louis Cardinals. And you know, a lot of times we were talking about when we did the second half preview is that what has kind of gone wrong with this team. And number one, I know you've been an advocate as well as many of uh, other people about the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals on how he still uh, has a job with his Cardinals team, but. At least over the last 10 games, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals here are, let me see, they're 8-2, and two, um, trying to make a playoff push. I had looked up the odds, and it was something ridiculous that they were at a plus 192 uh, to make the playoffs. Let me see if that's correct, if that's still standing. I don't think that'll be there right now. I'm assuming it got played. white because they played today. Yeah. So, uh, but they've also played some of the easier opponents. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule here right now. So, I know they have the Nationals. Coming out of the All-Star break, they lost that first game coming out of the All-Star break, but then they won uh, uh, the final two games against the Nationals. They swept the Marlins in a three-game set at home. They got the first game against the Cubs on Thursday night. We just talked about the controversy that went uh, took place between um, the umpire that kind of cost them at least to tie the game at minimum. Uh, and they have a game tomorrow against the Cubs um, on Saturday they're ten and a half games out right now of the NL Central Division, um, and then kind of taking a look at the wild card standings. They are, let's see here, They're nine uh, back. Yeah, smoke and mirrors, or do you just think that they've just been uh, fortunate to play some lesser quality opponents? Both. They've been better. I think Miami's quite fraudulent. If I'm being yeah. fully honest about that team, uh, I mentioned how Miami offensively you look at the top of the order compared to the bottom of the order they basically are useless the bottom of the order so yeah. they leave themselves pretty vulnerable to serious hitting slumps especially with Chisholm being injured again because he's always hurt but you're yeah. looking at the Cardinals the talents there on paper the money that they spent is definitely there but you're looking at the division and they're not even close you're looking at the wild card they're nine back you said it was plus 192 
I think that's what I saw yesterday. I could be mistaken, uh, but I'm going to try to find a number uh, when the odds repost, obviously in the morning when all the games are done. But they do have a soft schedule for the remaining of the season, but it's going to be a big uphill climb because, like you mentioned, they're nine games out of the um, – Okay, so I'm looking at FanDuel right now. They have the Cardinals to make the playoffs at plus 900. Okay, so I was mistaken. I saw something That's why. That's why you yeah. threw me through okay. a loop there because 192 yeah. makes no sense there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, nine Maybe to I one I can consider, but <laughs> I was gonna say nine to one. Mate, I I don't think. What's it? Do you see there. a division number? Uh, no. Unfortunately, uh, actually, let me check. Uh, Fanduel has both. Unfortunately, they don't have missed the playoffs. They only have make the playoffs. But yeah. Cardinals to win the division is plus seven hundred, which okay. doesn't make any sense because yeah. they they make the playoffs. <laughs> it, 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 Okay, you just get an extra two dollars. Okay, sure. Uh, that tells you why you always got to shop your lines because you somehow yeah. get a better chance to make the playoffs and win the division, and you get an extra two dollars. So once again, shop your lines. That's the same book, by the way. I didn't even shop around. That's literally one page over. You get an extra two dollars. But yeah, I I think at the end of the day, the Cardinals will finish short. They should blow it up. Like I don't know why yeah. they would keep it together. You've heard yeah. rumors about Arenado maybe going to the Yankees. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but there's rumors mm-hmm. about it. Do you keep Flaherty? I don't know. Uh, do you keep Carlson? Also been linked to the Yankees, but the point is the Cardinals aren't a good team. They've played well for about a week and a half, yeah. uh, which I don't think is going to really mean much long term. Mm-hmm. I do think when you're looking at the Cardinals' schedule, it is easier, and you know, and some of it's reputation based because the Cardinals have always been a really good second half team. They just always yeah. have been for a long mm-hmm. time. But you're looking at the just the makeup of this team. It feels off to me. I, I know that getting O'Neal back helps in the lineup because he missed like 60-something games or whatever, but I'm out on St. Louis. 9-1 nine, nine to one is interesting. I believe Jay Milley said 14-1 to one on DraftKings. I don't know if that's make the playoffs or that's division, but 14-1 to one maybe you can consider, but if division. you wanted a pick of a team that I think can make a run in it, it's really just to go through the actual wildcard standings, by the way, Philly and Miami are tied for the last wild card spot. Cincinnati's one game back, and then the Cubs are six and a half back, tied with the Padres and the Mets. Mets are seven and a, Mets are seven back, and then you have St. Louis after that. If I had to pick any team that could maybe be like a long shot to get in, maybe I'd consider like San Diego. But do I think they're going to get in? No. Would I take them at plus three ten? No. I, I don't really see much here. I think I'd rather bet on teams to miss the playoffs than make the playoffs in this league because I'd rather just fade Miami and a couple other teams I'm not sold on. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because I think that the two games that two National League teams I played earlier that those odds aren't up right now, at least for miss the playoffs. Uh, Another team that has come out firing out of the gate in the second half of the season, the Texas Rangers. They won six games in a row. Uh, Now they they now have a four game lead over the Houston Astros. Uh, Astros are still kind of waiting for uh, Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve to come back. But I believe on Monday, uh, to start the new week, that these two teams are going to square off in Houston, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so the Astros have obviously the weekend series against the Oakland A's. Then they'll come back home for a three-game set against the uh, Texas Rangers. Um, Any thoughts on the Rangers, or do you think the Astros will come back uh, a lot of it will be determined, or not determined, but we'll find out a lot about um, this division because these two teams have two series left to play. Uh, they play, like I mentioned, on Monday to Wednesday, and then they match up in Texas again. Or sorry, in Arlington, I should say, 
uh, in September, September 4th through the September 6th matchup. But anything from the Rangers or the Astros? Not really. I, I think if I was going to take Houston, I might have to wait it out until Altuve and Jordan come back. I know mm-hmm. they can make an argument you'll get a better price now, but I really just think that until you see Texas cool off a little bit, I'm not going to try to guess when Texas is going to cool off. We know that it's been a pretty uh, solid season for Texas, and they've been streaky at times. They were really bad to end the first half. I am wondering if they might struggle again to end the second half, and maybe they fall apart down the stretch. So we'll see about that. But I think for the sake of Houston, I don't really see the point in jumping in now when they're missing two of their best players when – on top of that, Texas is in great form. I think you're probably better off waiting to find out how much longer exactly Altuve and Jordan are going to be out, and then maybe yeah. they can make their September push. For now, though, I think I'm just staying away. I'm just going to wait to see how long it takes until Houston's guys come back and go from there. You? Yeah, so uh, I was reading from a local uh, reporter saying that um, – Alvarez should be returning for the um, for the series on Monday. Okay, that's official against the uh, against the Rangers. And I, th- I did see Jose. Al- yeah, I think it was official. Um, I know because I know he did start his rehab assignment on I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, um, right down the road from me. Um, so he should be back soon. I, I did see Jose Altuve in the dugout when I was watching the last Astros game. So they're maybe just giving him some extra days off for the weekend I've seen off before they the possibly bring him month. back. Also for the Texas series as well. I'm just saying for the Yankees, I've seen Judge in the dugout for a month. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um, let me see if I can find an official update uh, update for Altuve. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, he's just been on the 10 day uh, injured list. That was about a week ago, so he may come back. For, I think maybe Monday, or if not, after the. Uh, after this series against the Rangers. So sooner rather than later for their, their plus or at least one of their better hitters. And obviously Jose Altuve as well at the top of the lineup where Jeremy Pena and Mar- Mauricio Dubon have been right now for the Astros. Um, any other teams have kind of stuck out to you um, post all-star break here, Scott? Well, first of all, I see Millie asking about the uh, Angels to make the playoffs at around 750. Uh, no, I'm not interested, especially <laughs> with Trout being out. Just not going to yeah. do it. They beat up on the Yankees. That doesn't mean much to me. I don't yeah. think the Angels are a good baseball team. I think that even though they're above 500 right now, they're really relying pretty much solely on Otani to do everything, and I think it's yeah. not going to work out. I think they're going to end up maybe finishing above 500, which is a step in the right direction, actually, but yeah. I don't think they're getting in if I had to pick, so I'm not interested in their teams that I'm thinking that potentially came out hot after the All-Star break. Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee's been very solid. i got to give them props. Yeah. They've owned Cincinnati this year, and I know that you're looking at Burns who's been really good the last couple of starts. I had the first five under in that game yesterday, and Burns won eight innings. He had no runs, struck out 10 guys. So Burns has been really good again. Yelich has been great. I think Milwaukee's one team I'm somewhat interested in what they do at the deadline because we saw them trade Hater last year. I'm not sure if they're going to go all in or if they're going to just wait and do nothing. Probably be. So keep an eye on Milwaukee. But if we're talking about teams that have actually impressed post-All-Star break, I got to mention the Brewers because they've actually been very solid. Does 25 to 1 on Corbin Burns for signing uh, tempt you, or do you just think it's a two horse race between Gallant, Strider, and you can throw in Blake Snell's name in there now? I was going to say because 
uh, you had Strider and Gallon pitch against each other earlier this week, and neither pitcher was that good. I know Strider yeah. struck out like 13 guys, but he gave up four runs. Yeah. I actually thought about Burns, and I wanted to think how insane do his numbers have to be for the last two months of the season? Well, basically two and a half months if you're including July. Yeah. How nuts do his stats have to be for him to actually potentially steal this award? Does he have to be CC? Like, how good does he have to be? So right now, nine and five record with a three point four nine ERA, one hundred twenty five strikeouts. Now, recent form you talked about, and you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. Uh, his last five games, he's four and zero with a two point two zero ERA, eight earned runs in thirty two and two thirds innings pitched, thirty nine strikeouts in that span. And the Brewers have won at least his last five starts, and he's recorded a win in four of the last five games he's pitched for the um, Brewers. And he's had double-digit strikeouts in back-to-back starts, which was against the Phillies and against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, he's had a lot of success against the Reds. Um, I mean, at twenty-five to one price, I throw some beer money on it. You don't know what I'm, happens. I'm tempted because- by the price, but I am wondering though, since he has to leapfrog a lot of guys once again, how crazy do his numbers have to be? I think to put this in perspective, I think the one downfall of Gallon, if he continues to struggle on the road like he has this season, I think that may come into a factor when it, when it comes to, to the voters. Because you take a look at his home and road splits for Gallon, 9-0 and at home, 1.48 ERA, fantastic. On the road, 2-4, and the 4.97 ERA. The ERA is almost, what, three times, a little over three times, um, higher on the road than it is at home for Zach Gallon. So now I am holding a Zach Gallon ticket, so I am a little bit nervous um, on, on him to win the Cy Young. But I think if 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 he continues in the form that he is in right now, I, I think that there's no – I mean, no, not a no question about it. At the end of the season, his name could probably in, be in that conversation because right now it's Gallon, Strider, Blake Snell, who's in great form, Logan Webb, Justin Steele, Clayton Kershaw, and then Strowman and Corbin Burns are tied at 25 to 1. So he has to probably leave for, what, five to six guys there for him to enter the conversation to win that Cy Young Award. I'm also trying to think historically if it matters how good the team is because I know Felix won it. Then again, he led the league in ERA, and I don't know, I don't know if that was his perfect uh, game season, but the Mariners were never good when he was there. Uh, but I'm trying to think if you actually need to be on a good team because the argument for Snell or against yeah. Snell is kind of twofold. One would be he's six and eight. So, you know, they don't win many of his starts. Uh, second thing would be the innings because yeah. he's been amazing for 11 straight starts. He's allowed less than three earned in 11 straight starts. I'm going to ask you, though, out of those 11, how many starts has he gone into the seventh inning? Or should I say recorded at least one out in the seventh inning? Blake Snell? Yeah, out of the last 11 starts. How many times has he gone at least six and a third? Once. Correct. Okay. He went seven innings one time. Yeah. So the argument is he's going no length. And Burns yeah. went eight innings yesterday, which mm-hmm. is something that you don't see Snell doing. So maybe innings pitched can be a factor, which goes against Snell. The the really what you're running into is there's no clear-cut favorite. That's what's working for you because yeah. Gallon and Strider have been good. Have they been amazing? Not really. Lately, they've been fine. Strider strikeouts are going to help, but the home runs and the earned runs allowed haven't exactly been solid lately. But the point is, I do think when you're looking at some long-shot candidates, I don't mind Burns, but once again, do you need him to basically be pitching like Blake Snell has for the last two months? Possibly. 
I, I possibly. Um, I think he's capable of doing that. Oh yeah, because he has sure. won the award before. But I'm just throwing it out there. He needs to be insane. I might prefer to just take the under and earned runs or the over and outs or just individual starts with Burns and maybe roll them over. Yeah, yeah. If I don't he has one that. that start, you're going to lose your bet anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention something, but completely just went over my head. But yeah, the thing with Strider is that it's the strikeouts are it's just it's astronomical. Um, yeah. He's had double-digit strikeouts in four of the last five games. But again, he also gives up the runs as well. Nine earned runs he's allowed in the last two games to the opposition, which was against the Diamondbacks, like we talked about, and then the Chicago White Sox as well. Um, but again, the thing that helps him there is that he is in double-digit strikeouts uh, in both of those games. So 189 total strikeouts right now for Spencer Strider. Uh, on the season, 53 strikeouts in his last five starts for the Atlanta Braves. And again, he's been another pitcher that you take a look at his home and road splits um, are kind of similar to uh, Zach Gallons at home in Atlanta. Four and two does have a winning record, but a 4.45 ERA. Now on the road, seven and one with a 2.94 ERA. I think there's. So do you think then for the Atlanta Braves that. Ronald Acuna Jr. right now is minus 800 to win an NL MVP. Barring injury. He's going to win it. He's going to win it. Does he does then you give the Cy Young Award to Strider as well? Because you also enter the argument of manager of the year for the Atlanta Braves if they win 100 and let's say 506 plus games as well. I'm not sure they're going to win manager of the year just because okay. of how just how high the expectations were. Unless the argument is that people thought the Mets were going to win the division and the Braves have been this good. But no, Atlanta's been a powerhouse for a while. Usually manager of the year comes to a team that has been a bit of a bottom feeder or a bit underwhelming and they had a bounce back year or they drastically overachieved. For example, if Miami made the playoffs, I'd consider Skip Schumacher. I don't think they're going yeah. to make the playoffs, but I think that's like the type of candidate you usually give it to. So if I had to think, they're going to give it to Baltimore's manager. It's probably going to go to Hyde, or, if I had to guess. Or Reds. Reds, if they make the playoffs, David that's Bell. definitely an option yeah. too. But yeah. I think Hyde, if they win the division, will probably win it. But yeah, I do think you have to, it brings up an interesting question because in basketball, you rarely, if ever, see two different players on the same team get awards. You occasionally yeah. see Giannis, who yeah. will win MVP and defensive player. It's the mm-hmm. same guy. But you rarely see two separate teammates win a pair of awards. It usually doesn't happen. Usually the voters try to spread the wealth around the league. And Acuna is going to win MVP. So if you want to go for that angle, I'm not sure if that's going to matter. But it's definitely an interesting variable you can discuss if you think that it's going to matter. But I do think, once again, it's such an open race. Taking a long shot candidate is not a bad idea. And I think Burns would be the long shot candidate I'm going to take. Yeah. He should not have the same odds as Stroman. He should be ahead of Stroman. Stroman's been struggling yeah. a bit for the last couple of weeks at this point. So if I had to pick a long shot in that category, it would be Burns. Is he going to win? Probably not. But I do think his odds will definitely be below 20 to 1 at some point in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that if he has another stellar start like he had in his last start, if he goes, what, seven, eight innings again, has double strikeouts, I think the that division's would- really bad. Yeah. Um, again, Arizona Diamondbacks, if they make the division, I think that's another manager that you consider there um, yeah. to win that award that's as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so kind of all over the place there, but hey, that's what we do on Fridays. Just, you know, catching up on the betting markets and 
trying to find value on uh, some of these teams or some of these. Well, you want to, I do want to circle back well. though. Yeah, with go ahead. one thing. Since we started out with the playoff discussion, you asked me a bunch of teams that I was tempted by, or maybe teams I was fading. Do you have any plus money plays you're tempted by to make the playoffs? Because the Reds at this point, you know, we're invested in the division. So yeah. I know we might strike out on that one, but still, I, I'm not sure if there's any point in taking them now. Yankees are 180. Guardians are 285. I'm going by FanDuel odds. You might be able to find better odds elsewhere. Yeah. Red Sox are 320. Mariners are 480. Then you have the entire NL, which is a circus. Are there any real value plays there because the Red Sox at 320 might be tempting. They are three back. That would probably be the one I'm most tempted by. I know most people in here already got pieces on either division or playoffs a while ago, but mm-hmm. out of all the plus money odds, the Red Sox at 320, I think it's the most appealing. I'm still not sure how appealing it actually is, but once again, if I had to pick the best of the options there, Red Sox is probably the main option I'd look at. You? Yeah, the only thing that makes me nervous about the Red Sox is that they have the six most difficult schedule remaining. Um, and they punted the, a couple games against Oakland, which they kind of needed to win. I can't yeah, believe they benched Devers in the first game of that series. But yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. Some of the lineups that they were putting out there, but I mean, just take I, a I don't trust Seattle. Like in that yeah. division, I don't trust Seattle. The Mets, no. The Cubs, no. Angels, no. Guardians, I'd rather bet on them to win the division because what's the point? Yankees, no. That's what I'm saying. I think the Red Sox at 320 is the best long shot you have left at this point. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just looking at their schedule. They have two left against the Braves. Uh, then they have seven against the Orioles, five against the Rays, three against the Rangers, three against the Dodgers, and seven games to left against the Astros uh, to the uh, Boston Red Sox. So that that's pretty much that's a that's tough sledding there for sure. Um, do you see an updated number on the Orioles? To make the playoffs? No, no, for the division, the division. I'm sorry. Yeah, division. Uh, let me just check the division. Sorry, I thought you meant playoffs. I'm like, that's no, a no, massive no. minus. They're plus 200, give or take. For the division? Okay. Yeah, which uh, I yeah, would I'll take. Be, I mean. Yeah. Uh, but they also do have the toughest remaining schedule as well in the entire MLB. Um, not world beaters because they have the Red Sox in that category as a tough opponent. But I think you're right that it's going to come down. There's still seven head-to-head meetings, including this weekend left between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. But – yeah, Boston, I would consider. I mean, I get a funny feeling about the St. Louis Cardinals. That's why I threw them out there. I know they've gotten off to a good start. So maybe that gives them some positive momentum uh, for the rest of the season. They have a uh, below average strength of schedule remaining, meaning they have an easier schedule remaining. Uh, yeah, nothing else kind of sticks out, man. I, again, the bottom four teams that have the easiest schedule <laughs> remaining in the entire MLB are the four AL, uh, sorry, the a- yeah, AL Central teams, the Royals, the Tigers, the Twins, and the White Sox are the four teams that have the easiest schedule remaining. Um, and again, it's a lot of games against each other as well uh, in those uh, in those games. So, yeah, I think that nothing really stuck out to me. But Boston, I would be yeah, sure it's tempting. I may throw down a few dollars that I want to waste on the Cardinals just to see kind of what happens because they, like we mentioned, they are a really good second half uh, team. Um, uh, Post all-star break team is what I'm trying to say. So they may possibly make a run, uh, but we shall see again. They would really have to acquire some pitching uh, for them to, to make a serious run, at least to make the playoffs. So um, I would throw down a few, a few beer bucks uh, on the St. Louis Cardinals. Anything else, Scott? 
Not really. I was trying to think of any other angle. Uh, I don't have any. Unless you want to go for a serious long shot on like the Tigers or somebody in the AL Central and just hope that you know chaos works in your favor. But once again, I, I don't really see much in that market. Yeah, I didn't see much either. The I mean, the Tigers I think you are, missed the boat on most of these, to be honest. Yeah, I think the legitimate one, like you just mentioned, is or not legitimate, but the true long shot for the division being only five games back and how bad the division is. For the AL Central is that Detroit Tigers team. What's their price 40, on that? Uh, for the division, for them, let me see. Team futures, division. Probably going to be in the 20 or 30 to 1 range, if I had to guess. 30 to 1. I mean, once again, are they going to win the division? No. But if you want to talk about a long shot candidate, there are worse bets to make in such a bad division. It's funny that the White Sox are nine games back and the Tigers are five games back, but they're both 30 to 1. That's kind of my point. I, I, yeah. like, I understand Detroit has a lower ceiling than these other teams, but they were injured a lot. Now they got some guys back. Manning came back. He's been good. Eduardo got injured. He's been good since he yeah. came back. You can make a case at 30 to 1. Once again, there are worse ways to spend your money. Is it going to win? Probably not. But it, no. can I see a world where they suddenly are at some point two games back? I can see a world like that. Who knows? Yeah. We know that yeah. Minnesota and Cleveland are psycho teams. And they're not very good either. So, yeah. once again, there's not much value because all the double-digit long shots, the Reds midway through the season, the Orioles a month ago, the odds have plummeted already. But if you want to go now and take something that maybe can keep you somewhat entertained for the next two and a half months, Detroit at 30-1. to 1. Uh, all right, Scott, let's uh, recap our picks before we get out of here. Uh, so, I'll start here with my lock. Astros minus one and a half, minus 130 with Christian Javier and uh, Paul Blackburn on the mound for my dog. Chicago White Sox first five innings money line with Dylan Cease on the mound against Sonny Gray for the Twins. And then my total pick, I'm taking the Rays team total over. Should be around four and a half uh, against Grayson Rodriguez in the Saturday matchup. Scott, what do you got? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, so for my lock, <laughs> I got the uh, Giants' first five minus half a run. I don't have a line on it yet. Should be around minus 120, give or take. I'll back Logan Webb in great form against Gray, who's been a bit shaky lately. For my total, I'm going to go with the under 9.5 in the Mets and Red Sox game. I'm going to hope Scherzer pitches better on the road. I know he's been really bad on the road, but Paxton's been really good at home, and I do think that that total's a bit high. So give me the under in that one. And for my dog, I'm going to go with... A bold play, I'm going to back Brady Singer, as dangerous as that sounds. I'll fade the Yankees at around plus 190, give or take. I just think that price is a bit too high. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast. Uh, we will be back on Sunday evening, as usual, to break down the Monday card. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel here for the MLB Gambling Podcast. And hit that like button for us on the live stream if you are watching live. Um, and again, if you haven't already left us a rating and review for the MLB Gambling Podcast, wherever you do listen to the pod, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you do get it, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and review. Hopefully it's a five-star review, but we definitely do appreciate it. Um, you can make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rishel Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. You can follow the MLB Gambling Podcast Twitter account at MLBSGPN. And hey, we're also on Instagram. Uh, just look up MLB, MLB Gambling Podcast. We have our uh, daily uh, pick of the days uh, being put up on our Instagram and also on Twitter. So do us a, a solid and follow us there as well. Good luck this weekend. Let's break these books off and let's 
it ride.